0: Hey, hey, welcome back in to another episode of Stub Me Down. My name is JW, and of course I am here with my best friend and co-host Skinny, who looks like he cut off his Michael Scott single hair beaded braid from his trip to Jamaica. I know you all can't see it, but he looked good when he had that.
1: I didn't get a a braid, man. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> How are you, man? Say hello to the people. Oh, uh, man. Gee, I knew that was going to happen, man. I, I love that show, too. And I knew you were going to mention that I was going to get one. My hair is long enough to get one, too. And we actually, Amy and I talked about maybe getting one. But I was like, ah, I'm not dealing with that hustle. <laughs> that hustle's going to cost me $35. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? So I was... Uh... <laughs> Cutting each other off and I was, talking over each other.
0: I know. I had a funny experience today, but as I was I'll, – I'll tell you about it in a minute. But as I was sitting there reflecting, I – Somebody next to me was talking about The Office, and into my head popped Michael Scott sitting there at his desk with the bead from Jamaica, and I was
1: like, oh, I think there's my greeting for uh, this evening's episode. And it's funny, too, because I think, I mean, a la the episode, he's like, how's everybody doing? (laughs) You know, in Jamaica, they say irie. He's like... Well, uh, we have inventory to do. And he's like, I specifically went on vacation so I didn't have to do inventory. <laughs> uh, anyway,
0: a lot of relevance. You know, I only, I only really do it with that and uh, with Seinfeld, as you, as you well know. But we try to work in some, work in some jokes when we can. It makes us more relatable. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> so you say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I say, well, hey, what's up? It's great to see you. This is episode six, Skinny, of season four. We're rolling right through. Definitely. Yeah. Had a great season so far. We'll get to the last episode in just a second, but the conversations we've had, the guests we've had, we've talked about just some absolutely amazing music, and I've been so pleased with the episodes that we've had this season. Today though, Skinny, we're getting back to our roots. It's just going to be you and me. So that'll be cool. We'll have some more guests before we close out our season here. It's definitely been a a fun season, a great ride as always. And I'm excited to get into today's show as well.
1: Yeah, me too, man. We have had some really great guests. The formation of relationships I think is like a big thing about this. We we keep talking about it, so I'm sorry (laughs) we're boring anybody that's listening but it is really important to me and I know it is to you so what can I say I I can't believe it's even episode six and I like the way that we're taking our time here (laughs) somebody once told me take your time and I I didn't listen for like 30 years
0: yeah. Well, it's nice and stretched out. We had started the season talking about Goose and Skinny since our last recording. We actually went and saw Goose this well, I was there for the second night. So, was I? Oh yeah, you didn't go the first night. I thought you went maybe uh both nights. Remember
1: when we hung out?
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess we did. It's been a blur of a winter Man. spring. Um, but we saw a great show at the Met and I'll tell you what, man. I think I'm a honker. I think it's official.
1: <laughs> we talked about this, I think, I don't know, early on this season. I, I'm just tired of complaining, man. It makes you, it really makes you tired. It makes me want to take naps. So I don't have anything negative to say. That show, that venue, the sound was great. I just had a wonderful time. My wife and I had a really wonderful time. Yeah. I thought the show was well played. I don't know what else to say. I mean, Past the torch. They're the next thing. Why can't they just be their thing in the moment? I like the band. That's all I got to say. I, I'm not. Yeah. Uh, again, comparison is the thief of joy. Let's just stop doing it. Let's just have fun.
0: Well, and that's my attitude is here's another good band to go see. They jam. They're fun to dance to. They have a great light show. The crowd is fun. We get to have a crew there. Uh, and you know what? If it's not your thing, hey, man.
1: Exactly. Rock on. Go do something else. <laughs> they call that fluffing, JW. You're a fluffer. <laughs> You're a custy fluffer.
0: <laughs> you know what? Here's, here's a fluff for you. Fish just played eight shows of a spring tour, and they fucking killed him. Uh, I won't get into all of the highlights, but there were many. I think most notably, people are talking about the 43-minute tweezer
1: from Berkeley. I mean, the tweezers the first thing I put on i mean, I was just trying to to get a hold of what, what was going on on the west coast it's It's the shit I mean, I've been out there and and like maybe it's a little bit different. They seemed like really great shows i don't I don't understand sometimes i guess like man, why do we hate each other so much <laughs> They
0: were positively received i don't i don't know if, know if I necessarily saw a lot of. Negativity. I think one night there was like a a farmhouse number line, something else lame, and then a character zero encore. So like the end of the show wasn't great, but worked a bunch of the latest Halloween stuff, Sci-Fi Soldier, they, they put some of that in and... Creative, the jams were good. They had a number of lengthy jams, you know, 20-minute, 18-minute. So there was an 18-minute Cities that was really fucking good. I just listened to that today. Yeah, yeah. And then they followed it up with like an 11-minute tube. So that's a really nice segment of music And the simple that followed the tweezer. (laughs) Because it was 11 minutes. (laughs) Because it was 11 minutes. If it had been eight, I wouldn't have said anything. The simple that followed the tweezer, also very good. So I think... That short spring tour bodes well for summer tour starting up in just a couple months.
1: Amen to that. I mean, yeah, I agree. There's a lot of music between now
0: and then. I know you're going to see. We've got J-Rad coming up, Trey Band, here going to Peach Festival. I just saw Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band a couple weeks ago.
1: Which is awesome. My brother was there. I wish he would have ran into you. He was, he was having a good time. Yeah, yeah. But, anyway, you guys were in the same building, yeah. yeah,
0: love the remodeled arena, too, by the way, it was uh yeah, it was a pleasant, a pleasant surprise it that's seems great. Like they did a nice job upgrading
1: Baltimore needs that, man yeah, they do for sure. The only
0: yeah. other thing I will mention, skinny, because of the statistical nerdery that I Have to identify when I see certain things. Actually, my wife brought this up when we were listening to one of the shows they encored with Miss You and then Sand.
1: That's right. And
0: she said, I wonder how many times Sand has ever been in the encore spot. Probably not many. To be honest, I couldn't even think of one. So I, I had to look that up. And Sand has played held down the encore spot only three times and the first one wasn't until 2020 and sand debuted in 1999 so an interesting Hmm. little fact there for the nerds third time it had
1: encored all of those in the last three years did that like cut your jib or whatever the fuck sailors say like were you really excited about that i thought it
0: was cool that you know, that's that's a little <laughs> bit unique,
1: you know, I mean,
0: it is very unique considering they played how sand how many times last year they played it like
1: every, every other show. Oh, yeah. Well, I think it's pretty much. Yeah, it's like 90s Chalk Dust or something. You know, Sand gets a lot of play, which it, I, I find it funny in the time that I've seen them. that is probably close to being besides Chalk Dust, one of my most seen songs at this point.
0: Yeah, I bet you there's some statistics there for you. And you've seen you've seen some pretty badass ones too.
1: Yes, really good ones. And you said after 100 shows, it's a slow slide into the pit. <laughs> and I'm I think at the garden, yeah, I think something like Did that. I say You're that? just like, yeah, uh, nobody fucking cares. <laughs> so and I I was like, hey, you were yeah. like, congrats, brother. I love you, man. It's great seeing a lot of shows with you. Happy hundred. All right, fuck out <laughs> after that. It's.
0: Got your shirt and wrote you a nice note, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, know, I know. It's very lovely.
0: did the same when I when i had my my one. Yeah, ever.
1: of course. When you had yours. And then again, now I see like it's my 149.6 show. And I'm just like, all right, man, just, just please stop. Yeah. All right. But anyway, I thought the tour, what anyway. I've listened to, I, I like where they're going. Where they're going is completely up to them. And I have no control over that at all. I'll take it when I see it. I'm excited for New York. That's all we're doing. We thought about Wilmington for just like a hot second, um, which uh, word on the street is like that venue is really nice. So if you have a chance to go to those shows, they might be one of those pop outs this summer where you're like, they were the best shows I've ever seen. Or they were the they were highlights in the middle of like before they went to the garden. So look out. So yeah, I like what I hear, man. The Mercury, <laughs> I don't know what, I think that was Hollywood Bowl. They won't jam that out anymore. The last time they did that, we saw one at Camden. Isn't that a disappointment? That's when I heard the vocal stylings that everybody's talking about. Like, he's definitely trying to do something a little bit differently yeah. arranged than we're used to. I like when Fish kind of says the lyrics a little bit. It's just a lift to it, it's not harmonizing or anything. I okay. think it goes with the baseline of that song, and they're not jamming it out. And then Trey was like, Catch me when I'm full. I'm like, mm, no. <laughs> it's like he's in church. So, Trey, if you're listening, like, I uh, just sing the thing like you did New Year's and like the one at Camden. That's all I'm asking. It's not too much to <laughs> it's ask. It's not too much to ask.
0: <laughs> I'm sure that we won't find that version on Fish Just Jams. But we had Chris from Fish Just Jams on the last episode of Stub Me Down. Chris joined us to talk about Fish Just Jams, and he stubbed us down on actually a couple of second sets, Skinny. So we took a look at October 24th, the second set from... That show, which was in Madison, Wisconsin, and then we took a look at the second set from the following night, October 25th, which was in St. Paul. So a couple of really interesting sets. It was a new stub down for us to do not any first sets and just do two shows where we talked about the second set. And I think there's that little bit of excitement that comes with a second set, you know, it's a second set, you know, things are, this is when things are really going to turn up or dark and dirty. And, you know, that's where the action is going to happen. So it was cool to look at it from that perspective. Some real highlights there too. I mean, those shows are really good exemplars of what Fish sounded like in 95. We talked a little bit about that fall 95 tour and the number of shows that Fish played. And, he was a big fan of you enjoy myself from that period and and gave a good reference list of some 1995 you enjoy myselfs the reba that was on the 25th very very good version uh which is also on live bait 12 and then there was that really cool segment the mike song into the breathe jam the pink floyd jam there and
1: that was yeah. sick and that yeah. was cool full disclosure like i didn't know about that breathe i had no idea that they ever played that and we've talked about this a lot which is surprises are good even trey's new vocal stylings you know maybe you're at that show and he just crushes it and you're like "Mm, wow (laughs) that is a 20 minute mercury that's he's he sounded good (laughs)
0: Oh, it worked there
1: yeah, I yeah. I just think I'm with that motion and change and trying to figure out where you're always at, depending on, I guess, the trajectory of your life and, and their life is music. And it always has been. It's year 40. Look out, everybody. You think you know everything about this band, but maybe you don't.
0: One of the things that I took away from our conversation with Chris, too, was being able to go and like pick a song like take a song like you enjoy myself and go to ninety three, ninety four, which are the first years that are available on fish just jams and program in you enjoy myself and listen to some of those jams over a few different periods you know 102 or 30 even within 1.0, 95 and 97, right? Or 99, where things got a little bit more ambient or, you know, kind of like the heroin chic sound that they had going on during.
1: Right, which a lot of bands had, you know what I mean? Right, I right. mean, it was
0: the, mm-hmm. the time period, right? So looking at how in a couple of years one song can change, that's what I thought w- was really cool about Fish Just Jams, the playlists. We've got a Stummy Down inspired stop start playlist that Chris is putting together. So hopefully that'll get out there. And he added a couple of the tunes that we had mentioned on the episode. So definitely was a lot of fun (laughs) to chat with him and make a new friend. He lives out in Colorado, so I'll try and hit him up when we're out there for dicks this year
1: again. Just so gracious, like it's so great to talk to people. It's not like it's not great to talk to you, but like you find out new stuff. (laughs) You've
0: been doing it for a while.
1: Yeah. And the best part about him was that he even said like, oh, yeah, that's sand from 2000. He's like, well, it's not on there, you know, and just to have the grace to say, oh, we'll, we'll do that for you is always the best part of this community. And so, yeah, I mean, great guests, man. I We can go back two years. We can even go back to Billy. You got to always mention Billy, yeah. the first guest. I mentioned Billy. It's amazing. Uh, it, it's good times, man. You know, I, I love that stuff. I'll
0: tell you this. You know, as far as you know, my last point, as far as like you know, the fish in the eras, if you don't like current fish, which, you know, maybe people don't because of song selection or Trey's vocal stylings, go back to 1995 and listen to 95 because there are not nearly as many songs for people to turn their nose up at, right? You know, there's maybe a couple of songs that people might not like and that's, you know, purely taste. And they were all machine gun tray super hose shows back in 1995 so get in your time machine go back and live there don't worry about us here in 2023
1: <laughs> I, I would love to get in a time machine but i mean you know i might see fish twice it's i'd rather go back in a time machine and see like I don't know. Bob Marley. When Marley died I was 11. I I'd, I'd, ra- I'd rather be like in Jamaica with my parents seeing Marley when he was when I was 9. <laughs> How about that one? Yeah, seriously.
0: <laughs> well, Skinny, as I mentioned, today is episode six of season four. If you are new to Stummy Down, welcome in. Thanks for joining us. The premise of the show is that Skinny and I have been to a lot of concerts over the years. We use those concerts as a jumping off point via the retro ticket stub. <laughs> we pull a stub. We take a look at that stub and we use that show to talk about the music, our friendship, the funny things that happen along the way the journeys that happen around all this shit that we've been doing for as long as we have so today it's just me and skinny and actually skinny the stub is yours my friend so if you don't have anything else are you ready to stub me down
1: i absolutely am ready let's go hell yeah Alright bud, what do you got for us? People might be like, this guy always pulls the same venue. (laughs) And (laughs) and that is absolutely true. But some of these runs were the best runs, I think, in the 90s history of this band. So I am pulling March 21st, 1991, Grateful Dead, live at the Capitol Center from Landover, Maryland. Home of the free. People of the Brave, whatever it says. Yeah. So
0: isn't that funny, Skinny? So this is actually only the second show you've pulled from the Cap Center, believe it or not. However, it is the second show from the same run as the first show so this is there was no intent in that by the way
1: i am a complete dumbass there was no like i wasn't like oh i'll do this later and and follow it up so no
0: well it's interesting though if you look at these two shows that you've selected right so the first show from this run that we did we did in season two of stub me down and that was the saint patty's day show march 17th right and that was when was that when they busted out the reuben and sharice
1: yeah right i mean a a little bit butchered but it was because of the crowd it was their fault because they were just like what's happening
0: super monumental moment and very cool to talk about that show. You were pretty young, you know, you're running around uh,
1: on St. Patrick's Day. I'm two days older, this show. <laughs> Wait, four days older.
0: <laughs> right, but much more experienced if, you know, you think about the amount of time, you know, you went to a couple of shows on this run. So the fact that this is the last night so they did four at the cap center in march of 1991 the 17th the 18th and then the 20th and the 21st so we've got the first show from the run that we have done and now we're doing the last show of the run so i think there's a certain uh symmetry there and we'll get into the set a little bit in just a second but there's definitely some shit in here that man, I think just totally bookends this as a spectacular run. And one of the things that I have mentioned, because we've done, this will be the fourth Grateful Dead show we've done on this show. And as everybody probably knows, if you've listened to us before, I've never saw the Grateful Dead. I never saw Jerry Garcia. And... Most of my Grateful Dead knowledge, like I'm comfortable and absolutely love like the late 70s. So 77, 78, 79, Grateful Dead, absolutely. Some early 80s stuff, but I knew very, very little 90s dead. And getting into some of these, I guess my preconceived notion was, you know, by 91, 92, they were abandoned decline, right?
1: The scene was starting to be overrun. You could say that. I mean, I, you know, The scene was overrun, definitely.
0: And it was more things that I've read that the atmosphere was, it was more the train that the Grateful Dead was
1: pulling as opposed to the magic of the music. Which would happen, though, on several nights. And this, I didn't mean to cut you off. This is a four-night run, so it's like, if you're not there, I did three of these nights. I didn't catch the third night. So I don't even know what they played. But I, at the first two nights and then the last.
0: These shows have totally, I think, changed my view of where they were at this particular time. Uh, I mean, yeah, definitely. And 91 one's still a little bit early, right? But we did 93 last season. We did RFK. And that was also a really... Good show. Right. So either you had a horseshoe up your ass every time you went to see the Grateful Dead and just caught the good shows on those tours. But um, I think it's a little bit more that my view of them, that they were, you know, a band in decline and kind of going through the motions more than being a band are misdirected, well, that's what you heard. That's also probably not largely ninety five you know, end of ninety
1: four ninety five right, but that's not your premonition. That's what you've heard. I mean, I can tell you that the music the music in this show you cannot deny. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you saw the dead when they first played at that pizza joint in San Francisco. Like, I don't give a shit. like this is it's epic dead for this time period, like you just said.
0: It's an exemplar. It's like those 95 Fish shows. This was the 91 sound. And it was very together and it was not discombobulated and it sounded tight and practiced and the jams were really
1: good. There was still high energy. Flawless, kind of. Yeah, it was. They they knew what they were doing at this point. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the year is. I'm not going to sit here and calculate it like we're talking, so... You know, we're free flowing a little bit here at this point. I think in your life as a musician, you've reached a pinnacle. I think at this point too, Jerry was pretty clean. If I remember correctly, does that matter? I mean, yeah, I guess so. But if it does to you, (laughs) then he was definitely clean because the playing is absolutely amazing. And the whole band is in sync. And we'll point to some stuff, obviously, in these sets. But, you know, my feeling was, I think at the time this run, this is like the best of the best for me. And I just went on summer tour the year before and obviously had saw or had seen shows in, you know, 87, 88, 89, depending on the tour, fall, spring. They were playing here a lot. So when I pick this, I'm not only picking it just because it's like hometown and like I live in Baltimore. Dude, I, wa- I did have a horseshoe up my ass, Josh. I caught a great swing. I mean, you have a lot of the same friends that, you know, we we run in good circles. And there were people that saw that shit, too, and were excited about it. So even though there was like this abomination of like extra fans, which was definitely causing a problem. It was probably right around now or a year before this. I would say 90 to 95. It was just getting out of hand. Especially summer tour in
0: 1991, the Dead played 77 shows. They played 11 shows in March. It's just mind-boggling the number of shows that they continued to play throughout their career. And I know that they were a touring band, right? But Fish plays less than 50 now. Did they're a little bit older than the Dead were at this point in their careers, right? Uh, The fact that they were still, you know, full steam ahead playing the quality here that they have. And then the other thing I was uh, interested in was looking at how many shows they played at that particular venue. They played between it being called the Cap Center and US Airlines Arena. They played tw- they played 29 shows and that was up until
1: 94. I probably saw 12 or 13 there at least i read
0: that that venue came down i think in like 96 i want to mm-hmm. say 96 97 something like sounds about right um so that was interesting and then the other interesting note which we had also talked about when we talked about the st Paddy's day show was the uh, keyboard situation was bruce hornsby and vince Wellnick i was reading some of the reviews of this show and they're old they're you know 10 15 years old on archive and Man, some people really didn't like Vince. (laughs) And I think he sounds great and fit in well. And we talked about this before we were recording, just about Vince and his relationship with Jerry. And man, I got to tell you, people's comments were not very positive about
1: Vince. Shout out to my oldest like deadhead friend, one of my oldest deadhead friends, Tim Sullivan. Tim, I love you. I hope you listen to this. He's the one that said, oh, well, they... They chose Vince because he was out on front street. He was playing with the tubes. Jerry knew him after Brent died. that's a—I mean, talk about a tough transition. And we, we've had friends die. I mean, anybody out there that's had a friend pass away. Like, if you're in a situation like that, then you got to replace. You keep this train going. So what a hard position for him to be in. Yeah. I actually got to tell you, like, especially with this show, I think... he's okay man like that review you're allowed that criticism but it might be a little bit misdirected like you said at the beginning of our conversation misguided based on what was happening with the band i mean like dude that's like it's like hey let's do stubby down yeah well you know josh just died six months ago (laughs) or skinny's dead i need a new co-host i mean (laughs) Who are
0: who are you going to get to replace me, bro? Now I want to know. You got somebody fucking lined up already?
1: I, d- I don't have anybody oh. lined up. Oh, I mean, I don't so know. Sure the shit. girls like you. Brad Pitt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Who's going to play me? Apparently, I look like Bob Odenkirk. Oh, I like Better Call Saul. Okay. All right. All right. All right.
0: Bullshit. All right. Hey, you want to uh, get into the uh, first set here?
1: Yeah, I do because I'm forgetting everything. Let's get rolling.
0: <laughs> Good. Hold that thought while I put some more whiskey in my glass. All right. So the first set from the Grateful Dead, March 21st, 1991. Skinny, that was a Thursday night. Did you know that?
1: Dude, I wasn't counting nights at that time.
0: (laughs) So Grateful Dead, March 21st, 1991 at the Capitol Center in Landover, Maryland. The first set opens with Mississippi Half Step, Mexicali Blues into Big River, Candyman... Memphis blues and a monster 18-minute bird song to close the first set I gotta tell you the half step that opens this show was raging I mean it Jerry sounded so good right from the beginning the lyrics sounded crisp and I great version
1: of this show on re-listen yes it's amazing whoever recorded that deserves that star wars medal that they like had for chewbacca <laughs> like that that fucking that mississippi half step to open a show listen josh i gotta tell you i'm sorry to cut you off but like that was what you were chasing when you were getting into the grateful Dead. at least i was i i mean, that's a great opener and you're already hearing Jerry that's where I felt like immediately this guy is playing within the band with Wellnick and Hornsby holds it down it happens throughout the entire show which I think really I'll just say it right out of the box like Hornsby and Wellnick specifically Hornsby because he knew the catalog and he's such a talented musician but also Wellnick was a talented musician too and people give him shit but The whole entire show is those two guys holding the background to Jerry's insanely crisp, good playing. Like, there's so many moments in that and the rest of the entire show. (laughs) I'm going to wind up skipping ahead. I fucking hate Skinny as a (laughs) (laughs) co-host. No,
0: hey, I mean, your enthusiasm is warranted here, honestly. And almost 13 minute version of this to kick off the fourth of four nights and any end of a run like this I think the band is going to be very tight because of the experience you know what I mean? They're playing in the same room, Yeah, sure. they have an expectation and an understanding and a vibe that they share and I think that that through all four of these shows really comes through and One of the things, and we'll get into it as we continue through the set, but the last show we talked about, we talked about the vintage of the songs, was like late 70s, 80s, and even into some of the 90s. This show was like all early 70s, too. Mm -hmm. And so I was looking at that, and that was one thing that I was like, this was a little bit of a throwback show.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I mean that that that's smart of you to look that up. Yeah, you crush me on that. Like I'm I'm startled by your analysis. <laughs> your analysis. <laughs> <laughs> Said no one ever. But I mean,
0: you know, you're talking about the half step debuted in nineteen seventy two, Mexicali blues, which was in the two hole here. Nice five minute ver I mean, even Bobby sounds great here. That's a seventy-one excuse me, Big River 1971, Candyman 1970. So, you know, just those first four songs there. And then I actually love the placement and the order of these. Uh, The sailing reference in Mississippi Half Step gets me every time you know, first man takes the sails, second man takes the after deck, the third one planks the rail. So I always love
1: that. Yeah, sure. I knew you would like that. Yeah. Oh. They sound great. Yeah. Jerry hits all that. Bobby's really good in that too.
0: It's a little bit up tempo for a Mississippi half step,
1: I feel like. Here's how you know a good Mississippi half half step. When Jerry says second takes the after deck. And it's almost like if you're listening to a good odd, you can hear. Just the crowd explode, like upon every moment of what you were talking about, like those verses. And that's why it's such an amazing open is because not only the sailing, I like that stuff, too, believe it or not. And I was not a sailor, but I like the water because I was, you know, from Baltimore. We have water. Yeah, you grew up right there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like if you're not going to the beach, like. Dude, huge fucking fail in your life. And if you didn't have the <laughs> patience or wherewithal to get there somehow, like somebody should have taken you and I'll punch that guy out if you didn't. <laughs> However, <laughs> I agree with you. Then the Mexicali and the Big River. I'm not a big fan of Mexicali. And I was like, I just I'm not sure that this I'm not sure that this song
0: really would play well today with, uh, you know, bottle bottle and a girl who's just 14. Is a little cringe, like not to get into any sort of a thing here. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to say. Maybe we shouldn't be talking about this. So after that, they played a really nice "Big River."
1: I didn't know that Johnny Cash wrote "Big River." That's amazing. That's another one I got you on. I knew that, and also did you mm. the Johnny Cash version? I like a lot because it's a lot slower and you can understand what he's saying it's
0: much different oh it's a yeah it's a much different tune but I also thought it was interesting that there was back to back Bobby tunes here the Mexicali and the Big River that's not rare (laughs) that's when I feel like it's usually every other you know it's Bobby Jerry Bobby Jerry or Jerry Bobby
1: Jerry Bobby let me tell you that's not how it worked it would be great if it did work that way Sometimes there would be two Bobby Tunes, And for all you guys that are complaining now on Twitter, <laughs> before that happened, we used to complain about that, like, at the show. <laughs> so good for you. Now you have a device where you can, you know, manifest your fucking complaints. <laughs> we used to do that at the actual show. Like, oh, fuck.
0: Two Bobby
1: Tunes. <laughs> And and fuck that. They're really, really well played, executed perfectly. Oh, yeah. And then lead into this Candyman. Find another one besides like, okay, so go from, I don't know, I guess I'll bet you and lose, but from 80 to now and find a better Candyman than this one. He rips after the verses and the chorus just rips like two different solos. I mean, that's the way he was playing in 91. I don't know how to even, how do I quantify that? It was, it, it's so good. If you want to hear a good Candyman, I guess I'll just say 321, 91 is my Candyman. I'm going to go to this cause I saw it and I was in the house and it's so well executed. That's in it. I, that's it. <laughs>
0: You know, I have always liked Candyman for the story. Yeah. You know, it's another Grateful Dead nefarious
1: character. Dealing cards. And Somebody gets shot. Yeah.
0: yeah. The whole imagery of it. And this is a nice version. They get into a nice laid back kind of jam. And the story, I think the story seems like a little bit me and my uncle but the music to it is a little bit more bird song. yeah the vibe is laid back but the story is, has that like intensity
1: yeah i think the story is real whereas like a bird song is about someone who we all know about janis joplin and then it's a little bit more spacey and expansive a candy man or a big river tells a story pretty succinctly candy man tells the story so succinctly in the house like you remember how that felt like when i was listening to that i'm like ah, uh, i do remember what it was like in the house that night yeah. it, it was like last of a four night run that they, now they're playing really really well like you said earlier like it, it lends itself to that and they're crushing it and they just crushed the first four tunes
0: how many of the nine verses of Stuck Inside a Mobile with the Memphis Blues Again. Do you know? Because that song goes on for fucking ever.
1: That's a real test of wills that I will uh, refuse to be a part of. I.
0: <laughs> and look, I love Bob Dylan. I love Bob Dylan. I love Bob Dylan tunes. I like this tune. But man, they just... Fucking go on and on and it's like, all right, we're
1: seven minutes in. All right, cool. Well, that makes it for the eighth verse. But that's sixties poetry, man. Like that's what you gotta hang with. And the way it's played, actually, it's kind of a really, it's not kind of it's a technical song. It's like we used to laugh about it in the summer. It's like you don't want to hear that in the summer because it's like 95 degrees. <laughs> And you want them to move on. <laughs> You're fucking
0: really <laughs> stuck in Mobile, right? Yeah. Interestingly enough, this this is the, the latest vintage debut of this set. This debuted in 1987. So everything else, 72, 71, 71, 70, this was 87. And then Birdsong closed the set
1: with 71, too. Well, they were playing with Bob. I think that was 86 or 87 with the dead. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, his influence, I got, I have no problem with
1: Bob Dylan's influence.
0: He, I know he had a lot to say in each song.
1: It's just like reading. You're like, I don't want to read this whole thing.
0: You know, in some respects, it really is. It's like, how many more verses of this poem? Are? I don't even like poetry. Is it, a, is it a sonnet? Uh, no, no. But the Bird song afterwards The 18 minute Bird song
1: That closed this set It's the song of the set You're talking about vintage here Which I think is awesome Yeah. And to me, once I found out As a young person around this time That this song was about Janis Joplin We would sit around and talk about Who would you want to see That's not around anymore And this is 86, 87 And so Hendrix, Joplin morrison there were some choices that you were given after you know doing some upside down cake hits (laughs) what would you do throw in a couple of your own too right like (laughs) i don't even know who mozart (laughs) (laughs) or bob marley yeah bob marley's a good one but uh, so he i always hearken back to him you would have to have this discussion and you know at that point it was limited i mean this is before like stevie ray bond died or like all these other you know kirk Cobain, anybody um now currently and currently i mean like 30 years ago <laughs> god damn show my age <laughs> yeah that was a long time ago bro <laughs> That's what I love about this song, is the story about it. And because they spent time with her and Pigpen's relationship with her and The Grateful Dead's relationship with Janice and the 60s, it was their friend and their friend died. It's such a tribute. I think even back then I caught a bunch of these too. As a set close, this is like, yeah, go back and listen to this. I, I mean, make your own judgment. It's, it's fantastic. It's well played. Jerry puts all the soul behind the lyrics. There's nothing to be denied about this bird song. No,
0: it's beautiful. And there's around the 10-minute mark, you can really catch the interplay between the keys, both Bruce Mm -hmm. and Vince with Jerry. They're having that musical conversation that we've talked about in the past where you feel like you're a witness to something that's just... Somebody's speaking a different language but you don't know what they're saying, but you know it's beautiful. You know what I mean? Patience behind this, it's not like a super ragey version, right? I don't think anything from this show is would qualify as super ragey, but it was a at times touching, really powerful, clean melodic jam
1: you're talking about execution you know what i mean that's execution yeah
0: yeah to me that's the grateful dad is execution there's a lot of great versions of birdsong and i mean i would put this probably up there with um anything especially from some of those early years because the the passion and the intent was behind how they played it. and i mean shit we saw some great versions of birdsong with phil and friends and yeah, I, I think everybody, everybody in the band, I think, had a connection
1: to this song. All right. Let me tell you something I thought was intentional here at the end of this, set this bird song. Not only Janet. <laughs> uh, what am I? What's her name? <laughs> you got that? Yeah, Janice out. Joplin. Not only Janice Joplin, but also like shouting out people that from their past have passed. So they have this ability to kind of draw you in here at the end of the first set. And why I'm amazed is because they understand the knowledge of the people that follow them, that love good music, and they have this ability to, I don't know, express that to the crowd. There's many points in this show where the crowd is super obvious in their intent back to them i love the circular nature of the grateful dead where it's like we give this to you and then you give this back to us and then certain shows specifically this run it was a complete cycle It, it was happening all the time even in like drums You know, it's like the circular nature of life and how people react to each other. The band gives, we take, we give back to the band. The circular nature of the experience, right? The band
0: can't function at their highest level without an engaged and enthusiastic audience. Yeah, And the audience isn't going to be engaged and enthusiastic if the band isn't drawing from them. So, like, that circular nature. And you think about all of the comparisons between these bands, whether it's Fish and the Dead or the Almond Brothers and whoever, Widespread Panic, or Goose and Fish.
1: I'm um, McGee. Lettuce. I mean, like
0: right. Whatever the comparisons are, who cares? The music is all super different. The common threads are exactly what you just said: is that circular nature of the music. The crowd is needed for that, and we are an integral part of the show, and we're not just. Bystanders sitting in a movie theater—that I think is what is so incredible about the live music experience. And the crowd in these shows—you heard it in on the seventeenth when they did the Ruben and Charisse and the New Speedway—you hear it. In this one, you hear it at different moments in the other two nights.
1: The year before when they played the Loose Lucy. The engagement
0: from the crowd and the band response and the the way that becomes that circle, that's
1: the chase, I mean, I think for me. Hey, listen, I'm so glad that you reacted to that that way. I mean, I think a lot of times we feel like, um, well, we're friends. (laughs) <laughs> which is great because then you can be argue with your friend and not be a dick. <laughs> but I, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like you're right in that way. Like the experience of it, man, you don't like being in the house for that. I'm not trying to like be above you and what I've seen. I want you to be on the same wavelength that I've been on that. Jerry's taken me on that. Trey's taken me on that. Fishman's taken me on that. Shit, everybody hates Eric Clapton now. Eric Clapton, Hendrix, the greats have all taken me on that experience. I'm just more thankful, I think. After listening back to the first set, I just think I'm I'm really, I can't believe I saw it, man. Go back and read that first set. Well, let's <laughs> yeah. review that first man, set. What do I, I'm going to start crying. So we're
0: talking about,
1: <laughs> yeah, no, gee, do you need a tissue?
0: This is emotional shit. This has been an emotional season. Oh, man, I miss you. (laughs) (laughs) We're talking... (laughs) Miss you too, buddy. We're talking about the Grateful Dead from March 21st, 1991, at the Cap Center in Landover, Maryland. Skinny pulled the stub on this one. In the first set, they opened with Mississippi Half Step, Mexicali Blues into Big River, Candyman... Memphis Blues and a set closing bird song, which was—I mean, just a highlight, you know. And you look at the the song times: the Mississippi Half Step, almost thirteen; Toodaloo. Nothing else was really too involved. Mexicali Blues, five; Big River, just under seven; Candyman, not even eight and a half. But well played, all but of well them. Well played, very no.
1: well played songs.
0: Well-played songs, very good flow to the set, like, you know, it wasn't choppy, it wasn't, nothing was chopped up, there was good flow, there was
1: good energy. They didn't fuck up anything. Lyrics, nothing. Oh, it was
0: very clean, Memphis Blues was 10, and then they come in with this 18-minute Bird song to close it out, and just a beautiful, very well-put-together-and-played set, leading into, I mean, fuck...
1: Dude, why do you have to curse before we read sets? Like, there's kids that listen to this shit, dude.
0: <laughs> Let's get to the second set. <laughs> Sorry. So they open the second set with Victim or the Crime into Scarlet Begonias, into Fire on the Mountain, into Bob Marley's Stir It Up, a jam of that, into Drums, Into Space, Into Going Down the Road, Feeling Bad, Into Throwing Stones, Into Not Fade Away, to close the second set, and they encore with... Box of Rain. So basically, Skinny, they started playing victim and there was a note in the air until they stopped playing Not Fade Away. Good old Grateful Dead, man. The shit that they did in between that. I mean, we talked about this a little bit earlier. The... Excitement of a second set and the potential impossibility of a second set. I mean, Jesus Christ! The victim that they start with is, and I know that that is not one of your favorite tunes.
1: No, but I understand it. This version is
0: it's it's really good, it's really good, and they get a little bit like spooky, scary towards the end. Mm-hmm. Like Phil's doing some crazy shit on the bass. The rhythm devils are definitely hitting the. Gong and, like, making very intense vibrations there. It's a must listen. I I mean, Phil's dropping bombs. This is a great version and it has, again, a little bit more of an intentional tempo like it's not a super fast version of it. They really let it breathe and I listened to this version and I got Bobby uh, this Tomcat heart with which I'm blessed like playing over
1: and over again in my head. (laughs) He sings it really well. I'm sorry. I don't care if you hate Bobby. He's fucking really great in this song.
0: Bobby sounds great in this show. There's not any of the like, there's none of that. He doesn't do any of that crazy shit in this show. He sounds great.
1: (laughs) They had a team meeting. (laughs) But this
0: victim to open, and this is a little bit of a later vintage. So this debuted in in 1988. So this will be the, the newest song in this set. Which, again, I think speaks to where they were as far as this kind of being a throwback show. Well,
1: wait, you know what? Fish people, Breath and Burning might not be, like, your favorite song, but there was a version at MPP that we saw probably three or four years ago that was super fire, and it's not a tune that I really enjoy. And at the time, Victim of the Crime was a new, newer song, and I didn't necessarily enjoy it, but you could like not get away from being a fan of the Grateful Dead and not understanding kind of where they were trying to go with this. And I thought, I don't like it, but there were certain parts of it, especially like the breakdown in the beginning. Bobby starts to sing. like, I mean, patience runs out on the junkie. You're just like, all right.
0: I love the lyrics to this.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's different at the time. I'm sure I shit on it a little bit. I'm just saying, like, at the time... I've seen a bunch of shows, I've seen a lot of stuff at this point, but I'm still not even 21. I'm a mental midget.
0: Well, and this song is only three years old when you're seeing it here. So, you know, that probably adds a little bit to it as well. I mean, you know, we're looking at it from, you know, even now, another 25 years or however many years that is beyond.
1: Thanks for the reminder. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Sorry, I gotta throw them out there sometimes. Bro. Thirty-two um, years later, <laughs> at the time, this is let's see, what's the fucking fish song that they debuted in 2020?
1: I said "Breath and Burning." Uh, like, yeah, you know what I, mean? I mean, I mean, Sigma Oasis, Wave of Hope. I mean, you can go down a list. I mean, that's it's,
0: right, any of those, right? So, I mean, they can take any of those out, really nice. And there were complainers. Sure. Well, yeah. <laughs> time is a circle.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> the jam is a circle, so is fucking time.
1: The jam and the bands are a circle. So. Anyway, it was all... I thought it was really well played. I liked it. I, I, I did like
0: it. I, the one thing about this set is there are a lot of transitions into and out of, and the transition out of Victim into Scarlet, Great. Awesome. Beautiful. You get a Scarlet Fire here, and so, of course, Skinny, I had to look up some Scarlet Fire stats, because Scarlet Begonias debuted in 1974, but Fire on the Mountain didn't make an appearance until 1977. The pair, which most people would be like, Scarlet Fire, right? Like, my wife has a sweatshirt that said Scarlet Fire, right? Scarlet Fire made two hundred and fifty four total appearances
1: together out of all the shows they play that's kind of rare right
0: yeah that's not i mean they played what two thousand something shows
1: percentage wise that's not often i mean this is a fucking insane one yeah i mean this is top notch one
0: well and the fire so the scarlet is almost is is a little over nine the fire is 14 minutes I'm digging into this a little bit and go to Barton Hall, right? Like the Scarlet Fire, Barton Hall is like the it, Scarlet Fire, right? Like everybody holds it up. It's like an eyes estimated terrapin. Right, but one of the things that makes that particular version so spectacular is the bridge, right, between Scarlet and Into Fire. And I found a quote from Jerry in 1988. He said... In reference to the transition from Scarlet to Fire, he said the transition itself
1: would be a piece of music. (laughs) Jerry is still haunting this podcast from the grave. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that
0: what makes a good Scarlet Fire? Is that I mean, I, I won't say that's the only thing. That transition that like you know, kinda shifts slowly or sometimes it's sudden and The transition here is beautiful, and there's a little bit of that kind of reggae. Like Jerry does a little bit of that, like steel guitar tone, like steel drum guitar tone, and that kind of feels like it's a little bit of a tease leading up to this stir it up jam, which. You have mentioned multiple times in previous episodes and I'm so glad that we have finally reached the moment to talk about this stirred up jam because um, it really is an intersection for you.
1: It's a a huge one. I, I mean, I can't say this enough. My life is hugely influenced by Marley's words. I mean, one of the biggest ones was an interviewer asked him like, you know, you're rich now, like, you know, you're, you're a musician, you're Grammy awards. And which is a funny story about him. And he said, rich, you know, rich, you know, life, rich, you know, living, man. you know, it's just like, it's part of the dialect I think of Jamaicans and, and, and the way that they, live their life it is rich it's life you have this time to like be involved there are a couple stories about my experience with him the first this is why i love this jam from the grateful dead because i feel like i should have done some research of whether or not they ever crossed paths i'm not sure if they ever did i have no idea but i crossed paths with bob myself and I- <laughs> I should call him the Honorable Robert Nesta Marley because that's who he is. I had the opportunity in 1995, I went to Jamaica and I met some bartenders and and workers that took me up to his grave in Nine Mile. And it was just like beyond an experience I've ever had in my life. You know, you walk into this church, there's like the stove that he used to cook on. Uh, in talking blues, there's like a rock.
0: Full ground was my bed last night,
1: and rock uh, was my pillow too, yeah. I have a picture of me, yeah, sitting on that rock, and they're like, you know, the Jamaicans are like, yeah, I'm on that's where he slept, man, I chill outside, man, relax, you know what I mean? And I'm like, yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> 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 but <laughs> you take your shoes off, you can't take pictures in there, obviously, and it's like a mausoleum where he's buried... At the top. I've heard that he lays in state. I don't know if that's actually true. You know, when we were coming down from there, the guys that drove me up there were like, you know, man, he lays in state, man. They got his dreadlocks, man. They sword him back on, you know? And I'm like, believing for the sake of believing, because the experience was just like monumental in my life. And I was held on to that. I read Catch a Fire. I just love what he does, I think, for the human race, not only with his wisdom, but was also like how he thought about music, how it connects experiences. It connects people. It's all about heart. It's actually, if you think about it too hard, it will make you cry.
0: Well, he found a certain power, I think, in the collective nature of Music. Not to cut you off, but I mean, I 100% agree with you. There, there's something there that the message resonated with
1: everybody. Everybody. Yeah, and Rastafari, you know, like that type of like language and dedication to a principle of like jobless. You know what I mean? Everything's all right. You know what I mean? You're gonna be fine, man. Take it easy. It's one day at a time. You know, it's, I love that. You know, we were just there. Amy and I were just there. And it's just like, yeah, man, it's good, man. Everything all right, man. I talking, man. Have a good time, man. You all right? You know, I love the perspective of that. Then in 2017, I went on a service trip with some rising seniors. And it just, again, changed my perspective. Or I'm attempting all the time, I think, as you know, to change my perspective about like how you consider music consider life and was to go to his house and again you can't take pictures it's a very spiritual kind of thing where they take you through the house you can't take pictures you can take pictures outside i have plenty of outside you go in and they take you into the studio where he, he cut his last three albums when he came back to jamaica after the assassination attempt you know there's the the bullet holes where the kitchen was in the back of the house you go into the studio it's like teak wood and they have it all wired up and they turned on, like turn your lights down low and they turn the lights down and you're in front of the soundboard. And then behind you is the mirror where you're looking in as the sound guy to Bob, like cutting these last three albums. And they turn that music up and dude, I just like melted. I feel connected to him based on even what we do, which is so stupid sounding. It's kind of this thing where you connect to that and i was always connected to that so when the grateful dead at the time which was one of my favorite bands in the world starts this jam and you're not really sure what it is and then if you listen to the re-listen like about maybe two minutes in it's the entire crowd knows exactly what's happening and they want them to play it and they don't which is like this other weirder connection that i have with the grateful dead they don't play it yeah there's
0: like a there's like a little push pull there but you really notice that that's what they're doing i think it's vince that kind of keys a little bit and then i think jerry initiates but i it feels like the keys kind of really dig in and then Jerry responds, and that's when you have the crowd. And, and you're right; it's like somewhere in like the two, three minute mark, and that's when the crowd is like, "Oh shit!" and has that kind of aha moment, right? And then they play it for the next six. And then they
1: right, and then they play it on for a little bit. So I'm looking at the stage in the corner of the bowl, lower bowl, but like looking probably at the keyboardist on the right-hand side of the stage, Jerry kind of center stage right or left, so I'm in that pocket. The whole crowd starts to sing, at least around me. It would be interesting to hear an audio version, like hearing the crowd, because the crowd started singing.
0: Yeah, I couldn't catch that in the version that I listened to on Relisten. Right. Me neither. But I would totally believe it. I mean... It it happened. Why wouldn't you? You know, and that's the thing. Like, when when Fish plays Soul Shakedown Party or anything that has that reggae vibe or, obviously, anything that's Marley, like, there's a different energy that I think that creates and... You know, and I think it is, I think it's a, it's a nod, it's a respect for, and an appreciation for the the music, their contribution, and Bob was probably one of the greatest songwriters
1: ever, ever. I mean, I think even rap is based on a lot of what he did. The feel of it, I'm not saying the lyrics are like how it's constructed, I'm saying like a, a lot of music nowadays like love music or peaceful music is kind of constructed based on that feel uh, it's a powerful thing man I, I i try to explain it and sometimes i have a hard time but it's definitely a part of my experience as a music listener i think marley is just he's up there i mean we're not in the rankings here on stubby down, but i'll, I'll put marley up there somewhere very high
0: Very. (laughs) And and you know that I am of a similar mindset and have gone through phases where there was nothing else I was listening to but Marley, like studio outtakes and him like chatting in between takes. And in my vast burned CD collection, I have some... Limited spread shows that are
1: amazing, and the Lyceum Theater shows are top notch. Yeah, Yeah.
0: and I mean, I have seventy-eight, and like just some some really cool Marley stuff, and the message really resonates with me of like how you know life should be where we should be as a people and, a, you know, a collective and the realities of the, uh, you know, the fact that there's a lot of people that have been oppressed and continue to be and, you know, not to get political or so boxy or whatever, but like, I think that it's...
1: Oh, Bob was hugely political, but not really.
0: <laughs> yes, but it was also kind of statement of reality, like, this is the situation. The way he put it was very powerful and meaningful and kind of transcends any period of time, right? Like, that music can be relevant today as it was in the late 60s and
1: 70s. Yeah, it's never going to be irrelevant, ever. Right, and
0: I think that that's the power of it is the longevity and the meaning and then i think also the fact that bob was obviously i didn't know him and the only you know the things that i've read about him is he you know he was pure of intention
1: i have a story about that from my time in jamaica you want to hear
0: it yeah yeah i do all
1: right so went on this amazing boat trip with sheldon and the grill it was just amy and i took us out did you give him a sticker
0: Okay.
1: yeah so on the way back man it was awesome we started talking about bob marley conspiracy theories because i read catch a fire and there's a conspiracy theory that he was injected with cancer Was that
0: the u.s government that yeah it was the cia that had it had injected him
1: yeah 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 it's an interesting one but he really had torn his foot playing soccer when he was in london after the assassination attempt and and then got melanoma because the the treatment wasn't there. But the conversation was awesome because it really got down to like what Jamaicans think of Bob Marley, and like he started showing me like the Kaiser, which is on the cliffs. Is like I'm on like Bob played him on, you know what I mean? But he just represents so much more to them as a figure that all he was about was peace. He just wanted peace, peace between everyone. People just didn't get it. And when I was in Jamaica in 2017, the guy was like, come yeah, on, you know what I mean? He sit up uh, on the stairs, man, everybody line up on Hope Road, you know, trying to get money, you know what I mean? From Bob, he give the money out freely, man, all the time. And I'm like thinking to myself, like, I heard a story that his producer... I think Blackwell or whatever his name, Chris Blackwell said, don't give Bob the money. (laughs) Don't let him handle the money because he would give it all away." (laughs) And that just meant to me, you know, so much of a larger presence, which to go back to the show (laughs) eventually. Sorry, everybody, I digress into my Bob Marley takes. It just represented to me like that is humanity. That's where we need to be as human beings. They didn't trust him with the money because he would give it all away to the people that needed it, which is like such a weird dichotomy. Not only do I love the show because it's The Grateful Dead, they bust this out. It's a huge, monumental thing in that room. And the rest of the show is Amazing Grateful Dead.
0: You know, Skinny, here's a little statistical fact that I had to pull for you today. (laughs) I
1: knew you had one.
0: The Grateful Dead... (laughs) played this Steered Up jam. This was the debut. They played it one other time, and that was it. And that was in... 87. It was... Nope. It Damn. Was April. This was the debut, I just said, so it couldn't go backwards. Oh, so I fucked up.
1: I'm the, not really listening to you. The
0: next <laughs> time, and last time they played it was... Uh, April fifth, so not even it was like two weeks later they played it in Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia at the Omni, and that was it. They never played it again. And they did a stirred-up jam.
1: Yeah, and they never sung it. It was always the crowd trying to. No, yeah, no, it's just, it was just a jam. jam.
0: There was they did not. But the sing jam is
1: succinct. Right. I mean, it's it's on there, people. It's not like I'm like making this shit up. <laughs> oh yeah, no,
0: it's. I mean, it's it's in dead Base, people i have a copy of the book right here
1: <laughs> all right he's challenging everybody he's fucking like alex just trebek saying. rest in peace
0: <laughs> and just just so we know so in that case it was also second set Ico, iko, iko saint of circumstance into terrapin into stirred up jam into drum space other one war fret throwing stones not fade away so, interesting that the Throwing Stones Not Fade Away was the same at the end that included the stirred Up Jam, because that was the same. By
1: the way, just for everybody out there listening, he's turning away like my it, old grandpappy. Not fade away was the end of this. <laughs> reading from a book. I'm surprised he didn't push his bifocals up.
0: <laughs> Sorry, I was reading from a book. I have and nobody can see it but I have dead base 10 and it's an amazing reference <laughs> people sorry the nerds at the nerdatorium use nerdatorium materials going back real quick just to the vintage of these songs obviously stirred up jam we said was the debut um we had victim was 88 scarlet is 74 fire on the mountain is 77 stirred up Drum Space, Going Down the Road, Feeling Bad, they debuted in 1970. Throwing Stones follows, that was 1982, and then to close the show, 1968 with Not Fade Away, and then Box of Rain, 1972. So you really get a super vintage show with just a couple of 80s nuggets sprinkled in, but an Unbelievably well-played, very fun Grateful Dead show to close out this four-night run at the Cap Center in March of 1991, man. And I mean, shit, we, we say this all the time when we talk about this. I wish I was there, and I'm so glad we get to talk about these shows.
1: Yeah, you would have loved it.
0: My focus was, like, if I'm going to put on a Grateful Dead show, I was going to, like, one particular set of years and really really ignoring you know a chunk of time where there was you know re-listenability right
1: like the show has its base my first inclination would be like dead go 74 to 77. you know that's easy for me i'm like 74 to 77 you're good and then you'll get into some stuff and then you can start searching around Right, well,
0: it's where the jumping off point is. Yeah,
1: yeah and my propensity to pick these shows is because I was there. I mean, I did see A Pocket of the Grateful Dead. I'm very proud of that. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and lie. I am pretty ecstatic at my old age that I got to see Jerry, and I got to see him a lot, and I saw him in a pocket when he was really good, and I also saw, you know, it got me used to seeing bands live that they make mistakes, you move on, on to the next. Maybe this one will be fire. It's not that big of a deal. It's kind of like this podcast.
0: <laughs> what? Well, I think we get better every episode. So,
1: yeah, I do too. Sometimes I don't know. I'm just really critical. <laughs> but this show has it all. I i, I highly recommend it. I, I don't know what else to say, man. 321.91 at Cap Center, Landover, Maryland, home of the horseshoe shaped low roof. I saw Kiss there, you know. Yeah, Did I mention that to you? Yeah, that, that was the you? first show. Yeah, I was six years old. Kiss Alive 2 tour. Yeah. Detroit Rock City. It was awesome.
0: Well, let's quickly review that second set from the Cap Center, March 21st, 1991. The band comes out and plays a really nice Victim or the Crime Scarlet Begonias into Fire on the Mountain Into a really nice Stir It Up Jam The first of two that they play In the band's history Into Drums, Space Into Going Down the Road Feeling Bad Into Throwing Stones into a set closing, Not Fade Away, which was also, Skinny, the song that closed our wedding. That's true. I remember that. And the band encored with Box of Rain. So you get a really nice vintage show here, mostly early 70s tunes. Obviously, you get the very, very monster bird song that closes the first set. The Scarlet Fire, amazing stirred-up jam. Solid show, a technical playing. The band sounded great. Jerry sounded great.
1: And we're back. That's what they were. And we're back. Yeah.
0: A great bookend, too. Great bookend with the the other show, you know, the March
1: 17th show, too. Kind of ecstatic. I didn't even realize this when I told you that I wanted to pull this show, that it was the same run. <laughs> and now, apparently, people on Twitter are complaining about, like, three-night runs. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? This is a four-night run. I saw three out of the four. It was like, you had to be there. If you weren't there, you're a total fucking nerd. (laughs) I didn't want to be a nerd. So I was like, I made three out of the four. I'm not a real fan. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, another great Grateful Dead show. And again, it's fun to do these because I didn't ever get to see Jerry and going back and giving these shows, the listen and doing the research about you know where they were what songs they were playing where you know what was the vintage and and looking at them over a course of time now from 1990 I think is the earliest Grateful Dead show we've done to 93 and I mean it really is cool to see yes there have been some repeats but the vintage of the sets have varied the the little special nuggets in each show have varied, but there has been something that has been cool, a debut, a bust out, you know, something like that. Where would we be but for the Grateful Dead? And I think about that all the time, and I love that this is, you know, an opportunity every season for us to do one of these Grateful Dead shows that you were at.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll try to go out of the... (laughs) District of Columbia for our next season. I promise. I, I might make you pick from
0: a specific set of years, maybe like 94 to 95. and Whatever. If you if you get one that's a little bit of a dog, then, you know, okay. we got to talk about that, uh, too.
1: Yeah, yeah. we got to go with the dog sometimes, but this one is not, man.
0: Skinny, thanks for stubbing me down on this show. Hey, did you know that the lot by Primal Soup is a great place to shop if you're looking for summer tour gear. A few stores you might want to check out. Four Winds Handmade. They have really cool prisms, rainbow makers, quartz necklaces, all sorts of different types of things that create a lot of different color spectrums. Leah Creation Jewelry. She makes a lot of different handmade earrings from damaged vinyl goods. Records are all the rage these days. Record Store Day was just the other day and love light etc christine makes handmade soy candles with amazing scents in her studio in upstate new york there are a ton of other shops on the lot as you know Another great reason to shop the lot, you'll be supporting real people, friends of ours, and they are the same folks that you will see on tour. Those are going to be a big setup of lot shops come this summer tour. So check them out. Visit the lot by thelotbyprimalsoup.com. Find them on Facebook, IG, Twitter. They're friends of ours, and they are always available to support your tour needs, man.
1: Also, I want to talk about my friend, Our friend, I should say, over there at Fan Designs, ending with a Z. He follows us. We follow him. Scott Mitchell. He has great stuff from across the jam band scene. We love Scott. We saw him at. You saw him. You were there. You were there, Josh. (laughs) Uh, Scott and Casey, we saw them uh, before Goose Saturday night in Philly. It was great to see them, hang out with them, and have a couple beers. I love that, dude. Uh, that, the, both of those
0: guys, they're fucking awesome.
1: Yeah, they are the tops. Uh, we are going to Peach Festival with them, so I'm pretty excited about that, too. So, All your needs, fan designs, they have great stuff over there. Please, please go check them out. Thanks, man.
0: Right on. All right. Well, hey, thank you for checking us out here on Stub Me Down. We are always so thankful for you. We are thankful for our partners, The Lot by Primal Soup and Fan Designs. And Skinny, I'm
1: thankful for you, my man. Man, I'm thankful for you. No problem.
0: No problem, man. Your Jamaican accent is pretty good. You've obviously been working on that, so your Jamaican is much better than my Spanish, so good work. (laughs)
1: My Jamaican is better than my Spanish. Yeah. Hey,
0: if you want to keep up with us, you can check us out on the socials. We are unverified and unpaid on Twitter at stub (laughs) underscore me underscore down. We're fighting that blue check revolution. We are also on Instagram at the same address stub underscore me underscore down and eventually we'll probably have a following on Reddit.
1: not going to be me that is also (laughs) it's
0: i'm gonna i'm gonna keep mentioning it i'm gonna keep mentioning it that's also at stub underscore me underscore (laughs) down just google it you'll find all of our stuff thank you guys so much for listening we are always so thankful that you all decide to spend a little bit of time listening to the two of us skinny i love you man great episode thanks for stubbing me down on this grateful dead show from 91 always cool to hop in the time machine back to your younger days the music just keeps us coming back and i love that and i love you bro amen love you too all right thanks everybody and we will see you the next time you need to get out of your shitty seats and down on the path.
1: later everybody